only because uh, we've come to the end of the, the year, and it just so happens since it's the last Sunday of the year, and it falls, you know, on, on today, I just thought, man, it's the last day of 2017. And, and on this Sunday of the year, it also falls on the fifth, fifth Sunday of the year, which is a rarity. I know some of you guys are going, I, I didn't get that. I didn't, I didn't get that. Well, normally, in, in most years, there's only four fifth Sundays. Those of us who work on Sundays understand this. Those of us who, who work because you're going, it's just a Sunday. It's like, no. Normally, every year, there's a fifth Sunday, at least four fifth Sundays. This year just so happens to be the fifth one. It's like an anomaly. It's like different. It's like, this probably just happens every whatever how many years, but it does happen. <laughs> but it's, I just couldn't pass this portion up because, again, it's almost like this is, this is the last day. And it just so happens to fall on the fifth Sunday, on the fifth Sunday of the fifth Sunday. And so now that I have you all confused, it's going to be different today because it's rare. It's a rarity that we fall on this day. And so this, this morning, I, I've titled the, the, the message, A Year of Change, 2017. Is that what it says up there, something like that? A Year in Change. And, and so... I did that because definitely there has been a lot of changes this year in more ways than one. I don't know about your life, and I'm sure in your life there's been tons of changes. In my little life up here in this place, uh, there's just been a ton of changes. And so I just kind of wanted to kind of talk over all these things and share, share this with you, uh, what's on my heart. Uh, what won't change this morning is the text that I basically started off the year with when I began to share the vision for this year, um, that being John chapter 15, verse, verses 1 through 8. Again, we're taking just a little sidetrack from the Gospel of Matthew, going into the Gospel of John. Just for today, I don't know where we'll be at next week. We might get back into the Gospel of Matthew next week. I don't know. I know I'm already praying about when to share with you what the Lord's dealing with me and, and where I feel the Lord is leading us for next year. But I kind of wanted to look back a little bit this year and as we um, kind of share um, kind of what the Lord laid on my, our hearts or my heart, our heart as a church for the vision of 2017, which was um, or which is refresh, renew and revive. And I don't think that's going to change um, in our lives. Hopefully it doesn't because it's been so vital for us as a church that I think as the Lord has been faithful just to show His vision throughout the years, He has just kind of built upon vision and vision uh, as we move forward. And so we're kind of looking back a little bit today, but only to propel us to look forward. And so, um, again, th this, this theme or this vision to be refreshed, renewed, and revived uh, ended up being, being so vital to me this, this year especially with all the changes that, that happened. And I think to our church as well, um, God has, has kept us uh, through all of it. And so in John chapter 15, if you're not there yet, like I'm not, I should get there. Let's read the first eight verses. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I am already, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered. And they are gathered, 
uh, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Father, bless your word, and bless our time, Lord. Help me in just conveying some of the things that you have uh, just done in our lives here, Lord, as a church, and help my brothers and sisters to be open to what you have for them today, reminding them of, of how you've brought them through, through this year and to this day right now, Lord. And so, Lord, just bless, your, bless our time here with you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So as, as we look at verse 1, I, I, I love, I absolutely love this portion of Scripture. One of my favorites. Um, but what I love in the text that we have with us, especially in this first verse, because it, it tells us that the vine dresser and the vine are the main components to this whole thing. They, they are the most important of all of it here. The whole thing, the fruit itself that, that is talked about here, it, it just so happens to be produced because of the vine dresser and because of the vine. The, the fruit that is there, it, it did nothing to get itself there. It's not the main component although it's vital in my life and hopefully in your life that this fruit would be something that is evident within us. But we're not the main component. <laughs> what, what it's produced in us is not the main component, although it can be used vitally in people's lives. But the vine dresser and the vine, they are the most important thing in our text. The Father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser is the one that oversees and he cultivates the vine or the vineyard. And he, the vine dresser, will do everything possible, everything to produce fruit. And this is where the source is. You see, that source is the vine. And that's what he's working with, the vine. And we are told in our text that Jesus is the true vine. Which literally means, I am the vine. The true one. The, the, the vine that will be obedient and produce what the Father wills it to produce. And, and you see, if, if you're familiar with this text, you have to go back and understand that, that it, back in Isaiah, the vine was the nation of Israel that God was working with and through. But because of their disobedience, it says in Isaiah that they produced bad grapes. And it was because of their disobedience. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and He proclaims this message, but He's proclaiming it to His disciples. This is a very intimate time, but he's telling his disciples, I am that vine. As opposed to Israel, I am the vine that will produce what is necessary in obedience to the vine dresser. And so as we understand those main components of the vine dresser and, and the vine, we understand that again, we become or we are that fruit. <laughs> Or the things that are produced in us is because we are close to that source. Because he begins to talk to us about this being in him and him in us. And that's vital. But we are to stay close to that source that is there. Because it is there and only there where we can find refreshment, renewal, and revival in our lives. Refreshment in our heart, renewal in our strength, and revival in our souls. It is desperate. We need to be that desperate to be close to the source so that day in and day out we can be refreshed, renewed, and revived. And that has been so vital in this past year in many of you because of what you've gone through in your life. That, that, that without realizing it, Trusting and relying upon the source has got you through 
every moment of this, of this past year. Every moment. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> it has carried you through. It has carried me through. He says in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I have looked, or we have to look at the, the, this whole phrase, in me. Because again, as I just said, it is very, very important. Every, every branch in me, it speaks of that source and that staying close to that source. I, I, I love when we sing that song about being desperate for you, Lord. That, that, that just like the breath that is within us, we are that desperate for Him. To stay that connected to the source that gives us that breath. That we would always understand how, how intimate God wants to be with us. Because it's interesting, in the previous chapter, chapter 14 of John, if you read through that whole portion, Jesus talking to us about this new relationship that He will have with his people. You and me and I and you, he spoke about. And he also talked about how him and the Father would make their home in us through the Holy Spirit and only through the Holy Spirit. Can we have that kind of relationship that we can be in him and he could be in us? To be in him. You see, that word abide, we see it in these eight verses about seven times. It's an important phrase for us to understand. Being in or abiding in Him is very important. Because again, in verse 6, we could see what, what the outcome is for those who do not abide in Him. It says that they are cast out and burnt. And understand that verse 6 is not talking about you, the believer. It's talking about you, the unbeliever, if you're an unbeliever. You see, the believer, he doesn't cast out and burn in the fire. He doesn't do that. This verse in particular, when it says, if you will do not abide in me. And again, it's very important that we understand if we are abiding in him, then we go back to verse 2 that he says, every branch in me that does not produce fruit that does not bear fruit. He'll do something with that. But He's not going to cut you off and cast you into the heap of branches like it says in verse 6, to where they are burnt in fire. That's a whole separate thing there. And so do not get confused with that portion because that, that verse in verse 6, it's talking about the judgment that will come upon the unbeliever. And so in understanding verses 2 and 3, we need to see that if we are in Him, in Christ, if we are there, and, and that's us, if you're a believer, and you are not bearing fruit, then the Father, who is the vine dresser, will do what it takes to produce fruit in you. So that you will produce more fruit. And then much fruit. As, as, as you look at those eight verses, you could underline where it says fruit, more fruit, much fruit. That's what he expects. But those who bear no fruit, and you can circle that as well, oh, he will take care of that. Because it says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every translation that you look at and that I, I, I looked at for the translation of takes away, it, it, it often said he cuts off or cuts away. But when you look at the Greek word for that phrase, takes away, the word takes away is one word in the Greek. It's aerial. And that word aerial means to lift up, to take up or away, to raise up, to bear up. That is what that portion says. So every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. He takes up. He bears up. Now picture with me, as, as you see the vine dresser, you see the vineyard. 
And many of us have seen those vineyards. I, I grew up, as, as I've shared with you before, I grew up as, as a kid going up to the Fresno area and picking grapes. But those were raisin grapes, and those vineyards were different than the vineyards that we're talking about here. The, the vineyards for the, the raisins, as they would become, they just hung over all the way to the ground, almost like protecting the, 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 the grape from the sun until you cut them and then put them out in the sun, and then they're sun-dried raisins, you know? But, but the, the ones that we worked on, they went all the way to the ground, where he's talking about this kind of vineyard. He's talking more of a, and, and those had trellises, but this trellis would be more, more like a T, Instead of more coming down and hanging, hanging the vineyards off. These, these vineyards that he's talking about here, that the vine dresser comes, he's talking about grapes that would be used for wine and or table grapes. They're a different type to where they, they normally stay up on top of the trellis. And so you could see and picture with me as the vine dresser is coming by and one of the vines has now fallen off the trellis, gotten itself off the trellis, and now it's headed down to the ground. And that's what it means that those who have taken themselves off or have gotten knocked off the trellis and are now down, he comes and he picks up and he puts it back on the trellis. You see, that vine that, 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 or, or that branch that has branched out and gotten itself off is now heading towards the dirt or is already in the dirt or in the world and gotten dirty from it. And you can see the vine dresser coming by going, oh man, that's not good. <laughs> this is my precious vine. This is my branch and it is now dirty. And you could picture him getting it up and shaking it off and lifting it back up to where it should be, to where it can get the sun. It could, it could be closer to, to where the main vine is at. And so you could see that the vine dresser will do all he can. Because he knows that if the branch stays down and there's fruit growing off of it, the critters are going to get it a lot easier. It's going to want to kind of create its own roots if it wants to, if it gets down into the dirt. And so he brings it back up and, and puts it on there. Many who are in the work of the Lord or walking with the Lord, who have become like one of those branches that has not been refreshed, renewed, and revived because it just feels so distant from the source. Because it hasn't stayed close. It, that, that branch, that person has become ineffective and fruitless. The further away we get from the source, the further away we, we become what is opposite of refresh, renew, and revive. The opposite of refresh, renew, and revive is stale, old, and dead or dying. Spiritually speaking, when, when we've gotten away from the source, that's what begins to happen in us. We become stale, old, and dying or dead, spiritually speaking. The vine dresser, he expects fruit from the branches. Why? Because he does everything possible for that branch. He is the one that cultivates it. He is the one that works intimately with it. He, his eyes are upon it all the time. And when he's out doing stuff over here in one branch go up, and he comes back around and he picks it up and he takes care of it, he makes sure to water it. He makes sure that, that it's getting enough sunlight. He prunes it back when he's supposed to prune it back. And I love the fact that in verse 3, he tells us, he says, you are already clean. Even that branch that has fallen that gotten away, you are already clean because of the words that I have spoken. Not because of what you've done or not done, but because of what He has done. You are already clean, He says. Again, I love the fact that even though we may be or have gotten away from that source and have become ineffective and fruitless, the vine dresser is not done with you. He's not done with you, but he will do all, everything possible to get you back up. And you're going, but I kind of like the dirt. And he's going, the dirt is no good for you. 
but I kind of like hanging this way. He's going, it's not good for you to hang there. <laughs> Let me pick you back up and dust you off. Maybe cut some stuff off so you don't reach that no more. <laughs> Again, I'm so glad that he is the one that does the work. You see, the branch doesn't have to work that hard to become effective and fruitful. It doesn't have to try to clean itself up. It can't. It can't get itself back up on the trellis. The fine dresser is the one that does that. It's the father. He is the one that takes responsibility for that. All we have to do is just hang in there <laughs> and hang on. And so it only stands to reason that if the vine dresser is doing all it's, it can with the vine and with the branches, then it only stands to reason on our part that we would desire to abide in Him and let Him abide in us. Because in and of ourselves, we cannot bear fruit. As much as you try to bear fruit in your own life, you can't do it. You've never seen a fruit tree, you've never seen a vineyard struggling to produce fruit. Like, come on, come on, come on. I can do it, I can do it. If I just turn to myself and do, come on, Zeke, you can. It's like, there's, there's no way I can do that. A fruit tree will never, you never go out there and go, what's that noise? <laughs> oh, it's that little blossom trying to produce fruit. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. You can do it, you can do it. It's like, it doesn't struggle. It just is there. And, and those who take care of the orchard or the vineyard are the ones that are taking care of making sure there's enough sunlight, there's enough water, there's enough space, there's enough this and that. The vine dresser in this picture here is the one that takes care of all that. <laughs> I do love the fact, well, I don't love the fact, but I do love the fact that it's in here, where it says every branch, in verse 2, that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And this is where, again, you're almost going like, whoa, 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 wait on. Wait, wait, wait. If it's already producing fruit, why does he have to prune? I'm not a vine, but I hate, I hate the fact that when you prune something, it like cuts. <laughs> you know? I mean, some of you guys love doing all that stuff. I don't know how to prune. I just lop off. That's what I do. And, and, and I'm sure the tree doesn't appreciate how I do it. But if you're already like producing some fruit, why would you have to prune it back? <laughs> it's already, there's already fruit there. And, and, and again, I think sometimes we're satisfied with just that little bit of fruit. We're cool. He's going, no, I've put you back up. You're producing fruit. I want to produce more fruit in you. And you're going, so what does that entail? Well, I got to cut off <laughs> certain parts that might get back off the trellis. And what I love about this is this, this, this pruning process. I, I, again, I say I love it, but I don't love it in reality. I don't like when God begins to prune in my life. I don't. I just know that it's good. But at the moment, it doesn't feel good. And I'm sure the branch doesn't feel good when it cuts something off. But, but, but what's happening here is the fact that there's beginning to be growth in our lives. And I know some of us, when God is moving us forward or growing us up or taking us deeper, however you want to use that, He allows us to go through a pruning process to where He begins to cut things out so that it could sprout even more. I truly believe that that is what was happening this past year. Oh, it's happened throughout our life as a church here. But that's why I allude to the fact that this is a year of change. This past year has been a year of change. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, there's always been change and growth. There's always been pruning going on. All of that stuff has happened throughout our existence as a church. Some years more than others. 
and the changes that have happened this past year were pretty radical. Maybe you didn't feel them. I certainly did. (laughs) They were very obvious to me. But then again, the Lord prepared me for these changes. Back in March, well, back in January, I shared the vision to be refreshed, renewed, and revived. And we went through this portion, and we talked a little bit about the growth, and we talked about the pruning, and we talked about all these things. But back in March, I had my son-in-law come and share with us on the same text. And he focused a lot, and he even had pictures, and I don't do pictures like that. But he had this whole slide about pruning, and he's, he's there into agriculture. He, that's what he does. He owns a company up in the Visalia area. And, 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 and so he understands pruning. And so he came and he shared with us along the same lines with the same text about pruning. And the fact that pruning is not bad. It's actually really good and healthy. Now, in the, pro, in the process of pruning, and again, if you remember some of the stuff that he shared, but I certainly do, it changes what is happening. Again, I don't know if you guys like doing that stuff. If you have little gardens or whatever, maybe you have vineyards, I don't know. But when it's happening <laughs> to the plant itself, and when it is over, it does not look pretty. But it is good, apparently, for the plant. Again, if you guys looked at some of my trees, you're going, why don't you prune these things? Because I don't know how. And maybe you can come over and do it for me. I don't care. (laughs) But there's just a lot of overgrowth. And sometimes I come in and lop off some stuff, and my wife goes, what did you do to that? I don't know. I just (laughs) thought it was pruning. It looks like you've ruined it. One time I did that to our roses. <laughs> they did grow back, but not the parts that I cut. There was others. <laughs> Anyways, be that as it may, enough about my agricultural stuff, you know. But the changes that are happening when that happens, and it just it looks different once you're done pruning. And what it confirmed in me and what I got out of that study was that there was going to be changes going on within our, our fellowship. And because I'm the pastor and I see all of this, it would affect me more than probably anybody else. <laughs> and so there were some really heavy-duty changes, but it confirmed in me that study and what I got out of it is that the changes would be to my leadership, to my board, and to my staff that is here. And that's why it affects me a lot more. Maybe you're going, I don't even know who your board members are. Well, they've changed a little bit. (laughs) Some of my leaders, again, there's been changes. Even to our staff. Now, to what extent when the Lord showed me that there would be changes, that's what I did not know. I did not know that they would be that drastic and that personal. What He showed me, though, in that message was that things were not going to look pretty. Okay? Now, he didn't tell me they would look ugly. (laughs) He just said they would not look pretty. In my estimation, that's the way I looked at it. You see, what happens, again, when, when, when you prune an orchard or a vineyard, When you come out and you look at that, and this is something that my son-in-law shared with me, that some of the owners of the properties that they they oversee, they come out, it's like, what did you do? Because it looks like you've ruined it. But you haven't. If anything, you're going, it's going to look a lot better. You're going to thank me when you get the, the fruit that comes in next year because of this pruning that's happening now. Some of the changes that have occurred around here were for the benefit of the person and or persons involved and for the ministries that they were involved with. Because what it did, it raised up others to come in and take over and or be more involved. 
And it was time for some of these changes to happen. But I think that those things happened more for my benefit than anybody else's benefit. And this is where it gets hard. Because as the pastor of the church, you see, for me, it would be great if everything stayed the same always (laughs) and nothing ever changes. That's me. I hate change. Oh, God's stretching me. He's showing me what change looks like and is good for change. But in and of myself, for me, I want everybody to stay the same. You sit there all the time. Don't move. Don't let nobody else sit there. There's plenty of seats for new people to sit there, and they can claim those seats. But I don't like change. I mean, some of you got to mess around with when you're sitting over here all the time, and you end up over there. It's like, why'd you, why are you over there? You should be over there. I mean, again, that's just who I am. I, like, I don't like change. <laughs> but, but these changes that have happened in our fellowship were for my benefit because I got, and I have, and I have the tendency of getting very, very comfortable and I'm okay with just some fruit. <laughs> I'm okay with that. As long as we don't get into the no fruit category. <laughs> as long as there's still something happening, we're still good. And God's going, Zeke, I want to stretch you. I want to take you further. And I'm going, I'm cool. I'm cool. And yet, God wants to continue to, to, to produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit in our lives. And, and so what, what's happened is I've been able to see that happening throughout this year, even with all the changes in your life and in my life. And, and not just that we're busting at the seams, because we're not. But the depth that I've seen in your life and the stories that you've shared with me of how God has brought you through the hardest time ever in your life and He's held you and He's grown you and you're standing still... <laughs> Where you should have been dead, but you're not. Or, or, or you should have been gone, but you're not. Or you should have this, and, the, and you're not. And God's going, here I am. I'm sustaining you. I've changed things in your life. And I get to see that. <clears throat> what happens when there's no pruning is that things sometimes does look really good on the outside. <laughs> My trees look really full, but I know the inside, there needs to be a lot of pruning. It gives us great shade, but it's not healthy, healthy. And this is something that my son-in-law shared with me. That sometimes, even if if, if a tree, if they're looking looking at at an orange tree and it looks great, they still have to cut that sucker back. He says, there's still some fruit, but it's not producing what it could produce. So we have to, we have to cut this side and we have to go from the inside and we have to cut away some of the growth that's inside. And I'm going, geez, man. And so I'm looking at that and hearing this message and going, you're not only going to do the outward, but you're going to do inward stuff too and pruning. And that is what's been happening, even though there's still some fruit. It, it still looks good even on the inside, but God's going, no, the truth of the matter is it's not healthy. And so he has changed so many things up. And it's been a hard year for me. I'm a baby when it comes to change. But it's been good. It's been good for ministry. Because it's producing more fruit. And it will produce much fruit. And it's not to say that I'm just being stubborn. (laughs) Because God is teaching me how to deal with change. Even in my own life. I just didn't realize that it would be that deep. And that's what kind of has got me, you know, I've had those moments where (laughs) it's like, Lord, I don't understand. And that's good that I don't always understand. And so because the Lord wanted to do so many changes in our fellowship, the Lord began to use situations and circumstances to make changes. And in the process, the Lord was making changes in me and continues to make changes. And and he showed me, especially in this portion of Scripture in verse 5, at the end of verse 5, where it says, For without me, you can do nothing. I I, I don't think that I'm a control freak, (laughs) but I'm a control freak. I like to make sure everything's in control. 
And so what the Lord has been reminding me for the last couple of years, more so this year, is that I can't make anything happen. I can't. I can't dazzle you. <laughs> I could do a song and dance, but you'll get tired of that really quick. What he did show me is, you just stay faithful to me. Not the Calvary Chapel of Feeling. You just stay faithful to me. And he reminded me that I need to be diligent. Not that I haven't been, but that I should stay diligent in studying to feed you. That's all I can do. I, I, I can't whiz-bang you, man. We, 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 can't, we can't make it all like, here, man, this is the coolest, hippest place. The gospel is not cool and it's not hip. <laughs> but it's life-changing. And that's what the Lord has just been showing me. That the, the, the changes that He is making here, that the Lord is still the Lord of Calvary Chapel Phelan. And He is the one that produces the fruit, not me. It's Him that produces in you what He needs out of you. Not out of, well, and of me too. But I can't make that happen in your life. He has called me and He has called the other pastors here on staff and the leadership to feed and tend the sheep. That's what He's called us to do. As plainly and as simple as we possibly can. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, it says, For he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow you up, or may grow, you may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, for from whom the whole body Joined, joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see, it's healthy sheep that produce more sheep. <laughs> the pastor's not the, the one that produces sheep. You're the one that produces sheep. And so my job is, our job, our desire is to feed you good food. And I can only do that from the Word of God. Not from a specialty book. <laughs> not from anything else but the Word of God. To teach you what the Word of God says. And that's why we go and take our time through the Word. Because that's all I know how to do is just teach you the Word. But you're the one that produces the sheep. I would have to say that all the changes that have happened throughout this year, especially from leadership to board to staff, I should be freaking out. <laughs> I should be just freaking out, going, what the heck is happening? It's not to say that I haven't had my moments, but I'm really not freaking out. And I'll tell you why. Because the Lord prepared us and prepared me for this, this year, by showing me of all the changes. And He has allowed us to have and be a healthy church right now. We are a very healthy church. From my perspective, when I see you, when I see God doing works in you, when you're telling me what God's doing in you, it's like, God's at work. Some of the changes that have happened that God prepared those people to jump into those ministries long before I even knew that there would be a change going on. God was already speaking to people's hearts and lives. And then when it happened, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that's kind of putting all this together. God's going, Zeke, you did nothing. I prepared their hearts before you even knew it. It's like, yeah, but I was involved right in the middle of it. Lot of God. God is so good, guys. <laughs> Uh, uh, 
a, a brother shared with me as I was kind of sharing some of my my struggles these last few months. The brother said to me, "We cannot control the width of the church or the sizes of church, but we can control the depth of the church." And that's all we could do to give you depth in the Word of God so that you desire to know the Word of God and do it. Not just learn it, but do it. And that's why I can say with certainty that we are a healthy church. Another brother shared with me that he has observed a freshness and a newness with all the changes that have happened around here. He's not in leadership, but he sees what's going on. And he says, and he just hit me up the other day going, man, I see that God's changing things. I said, yeah, he is. Kind of like, hmm. He says, I see a newness, a freshness. And, I, I, and I've been anticipating and, and seeing that, but I'm going, maybe it's just me, you know, being all Pollyannish and going, yeah, things are going great. And yet God has been preparing and, and showing other people and so again, it's confirmed a lot in me. You see, the changes, as changes have occurred, God has raised other people up. And I'm so excited to see that. Oh, I'm saddened when some people, some people leave or say step back. Saddened nonetheless. But, but to see other people take on those roles and, 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 and to see that even our staff is being stretched until somebody, the right person, comes in that place to see that we are being stretched continually. I think, if anything, overall, it has kept, kept us praying for direction and discernment, all these changes. Not moving too quickly to fill a need. But then again, it just seems that we've been seeing and having people waiting in the wings, ready to take over or come alongside. I know for certain that refresh, renew, and revive has meant so much to me because if, if, if the Lord wasn't refreshing me and renewing me and reviving me daily, again, I would be freaking out and I probably would have just said, I can't do this no more, guys. It takes its toll on, on somebody like me. <laughs> I'm a little baby. But if anything, it has kept me from getting stale, old, and dying. And it's kept me on my toes, or should I say it's kept me on my knees praying for you and praying for our church. God has turned a lot of my tears into gladness and a lot of my sadness into joy. <clears throat> a brother that shared on Thursday night, Daniel Ellicon, he shared this last Thursday night and reminded me of the living hope that we have. And it was a very timely study for me to be able to sit where you sit and listen to somebody else. And it's out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, that he shared. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It was such a timely time for me to be sitting where you're sitting and listening to a study to remind me of that living hope, that that doesn't change, that never fades. It's always there and it's reserved in heaven for me. Maybe not you, but for me it is. No, for you as well. <laughs> That portion of Scripture goes on to say <clears throat> that even though we are grieved by various trials, and I would put this past year in that category, <laughs> that those trials will redound, contribute, and result in the praise, honor, and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I could guarantee you that. That it has caused me to praise Him, honor Him, and glorify Him all the more. <clears throat> because without Him, I can do nothing. And I don't know when I'm going to learn that lesson. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll have to put that in me again, that I cannot make it happen. And that portion, for without me, 
you can do nothing is a bold statement that Jesus makes in regards to the fruit in my life, our lives, and in the life of this church. And when I think of fruit, I think of the fruit that comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit that the Lord wants to refresh, renew, and revive each and every one of us with. Because it is, only, it is then and only then that we can continue in the work to abide in Him. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. And the work that we get to do without, without the Spirit of God, we won't be able to do. The fruit that comes from the Spirit of God, which is love, the byproduct of that love, to me as I read this portion, the byproduct of that fruit of love will be more fruit and much fruit, which is joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that's what I've seen in a lot of you who have gone through hell this year because of your health, because of situations, because of death, because of loss of, of jobs or loss of income or whatever the case was. That fact that because of the love of the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit of God that is in you, love, it has produced joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Verses 7 and 8, as we close, says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done to you. For by this, or by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As I shared with you in the beginning of the, of the year, the harvest is far from over. There's still much more that God wants to do with Calvary Chapel of Feeling in this community, in your lives. We, we are to continue to upreach, which is, which is first and foremost. Then we can inreach and strengthen one another so that we can be ready to outreach when the time comes when God wants to move us out on that side of these walls. Let the Lord refresh your heart daily. Let the Lord renew your strength abundantly. And let the Lord revive your soul continually. 2017 was definitely a year of change. And it got overwhelming at times, even with the good that happened. But I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> it's one of those things that, man, you're going, Stop! And then at the end, you're going, I wouldn't change it, Lord. Thank you for, for taking me through that, that year of change. The Lord has given us vision to move forward, to continue to take ground for the kingdom, to not be moved. And even though we kind of are taking a look back, it's only so that it can propel us to what He has moving forward. I believe that the Lord wants to refresh, renew, and, our, and re, refresh, renew, and revive us daily as individuals and as a church. That is to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit as we abide in Him and He in us. By this, my Father, He said, Jesus said, is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. I love that this portion of Scripture that we have covered this morning, it was in the midst of Jesus with His disciples in the upper room, preparing them, not preparing the masses, the multitudes, just them. He had them alone. And this is where He institutes communion with His disciples that would propel them into a new covenant in His name. And they would be the ones that go out and get the church going. Oh, through the Holy Spirit, of course. For without Him, none of this would be possible. And so I want to close off this year <laughs> with communion and worship. I asked Thomas to...
just shorten it up in the beginning so that we can worship at the end. And I just want to spend that time with you to be able to just worship and at your leisure to come up and partake in communion. I want to read through you through Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 14. As they were up in the upper room, he says, When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve were eleven apostles with him. And he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this, is, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shared for you. And he introduced what we know as communion, the Lord's Supper, this intimacy, where now he would be in us and we would be in him. And we would go forward, just like these guys did. Oh, they would reject them in no time flat. But he wasn't done with them. He picked them back up <laughs> so that they can continue, continue to bear fruit, much fruit, more fruit and much fruit. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray and then we're going to get into some worship. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord God, for bringing us through another year, Lord. I'm so blessed and honored to be with these brothers and sisters, Lord, to be able to be their pastor to be able to serve them, to be able to attend and feed your sheep, Lord. What an amazing privilege. And I pray that, God, even as we worship you right now, even as we enter into a time of just communing with you and with one another, Lord, that it would just be sweet, that it would be special. As we close off this year, Lord God, we thank you for bringing us through it the good, the bad, and the ugly that we've had to go through, Lord, the changes that have happened in our own individual lives, Lord, and the changes that have happened here, Lord. We know that you will propel us forward. We look forward to what you have for us, Lord. Blessed be your name, for you are good, and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.